So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, the podcast that may not yet be funny, but has logged a lot of recording time. Is that a testing joke? Yes. I found it very testing. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, the podcast that, for this edition, will be using 2015 material with a few 2016 upgrades to see if they work. It's another testing joke, isn't it? It's going to be a testing podcast. Welcome to For Everyone's Sake, the podcast that changes the bits no one really minded while leaving all the crap stuff exactly as it was. That's not a testing joke. That joke needs some kind of qualification. I'm Chica Ayers, and on this edition, we're looking back at the first test of 2016. Held at the Barcelona Catalonia circuit, we'll be talking new teams, old teams, new beginnings, and the same old problems. That's all to come. Joining me in the King's Arms is a man who relies on little more than a massive government subsidy to guarantee his place on the podcast. It's Terry Saunders. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now because uh, there's been a bit of an oil crisis, so I might not be here soon. Next to him is a motoring journalist who has bought us selection of Formula One hats so he can look stupid in photos. Ooh. Is your life more exciting, please, Phil Tromans? I feel really bad now. Oh my God, it's not done something amazing. Well, I've been to Portugal to drive the new Mercedes oh, We've all been to Portugal. Yeah, I went to drive for the, I literally got back yesterday from driving the, the new Mercedes-Benz E-Class, uh, which is probably one of the most technologically advanced cars I've ever driven. It has a huge amount of very clever stuff in it. It's probably the closest thing to an autonomous car that I've yet tried. Do you know everybody's trying to develop these cars that will drive themselves? This one can drive itself for short distances when you're on the motorway. You can pull a thing and it'll steer itself between the lines. It'll keep pace with the car behind, uh, with the car in front, I should say. If you indicate, it'll change lanes all by itself. It's very clever. Can even Terry drive it? Uh, well, certainly for a little bit until it suddenly goes, because the legislation is such that they won't let you continue to drive it for too long on its own. That you have to sort of, if you take your hands off the wheel for more than a minute, it sends a, an alarm that says, no, put your hands back. But until then, yes, Terry could drive it, and it would, it would probably do a better job. Well, before you have to put your hands on the wheel. Well, he would, then he'd have to put his hands on the wheel. I think that this has got the basis for a new type of motorsport. 
Formula One regulations. We're always bitching today that they're too restrictive because the technology is more than the drivers can handle. Somewhere in the 80s, the cars got so fast that they were like, right, we're going to have to tone it down a bit because otherwise everybody's going to kill themselves all the time. What if... All the time. You only kill yourself once. <laughs> Semantics aside, what if we were to take away the limiting factor in developing top-end racing cars? That is the drivers. I think we should have a series that is literally just manufacturers building self-driving cars. Now, I should stress straight away, I don't think this is something that we should replace Formula One with. There's always going to be space for seeing really cool humans doing really cool stuff. But, many of you have seen Robot Wars. Watching cool devices battling it out is brilliant fun. Manufacturers want to show off the fact that they can do these cool cars that can drive themselves. What better way to do it than say, right, next season we're going to six circuits. You guys, no rules. Manufacturers build cars that will race each other. They're all on track at the same time. And not only do they have to go around the tracks as fast as they possibly can, they have to use all their cool, clever sensors to detect where the other cars are, to find out where they can dive in. Like Formula E, it'll bring in a load of new different types of people who are interested in the engineering rather than Lewis Hamilton's new trousers or whatever we're looking at. They're good bloody trousers, though. Adrian Newey will love it because he's famous for, for getting really annoyed at the fact that he has to put drivers in his lovely car and they mess up the weight or the balance or the lines or whatever. What do you think? Well, I'm sorry to say, but uh, I think you've been beaten to it. Scaletrics. What I've heard is that Formula E are having a support race of self-driving cars. I don't know when that's happening, but it's happening. I hadn't heard this. And secondly, God damn it, Formula One has been trying to remove the drivers from the equation for years. That's why they've been breeding them to have less and less charisma and personality until eventually there's just a, a hollow head in the helmet. You try and interview Jolene Palmer and say this isn't a fucking robot. Let's go on to Listener's Corner, in which you, the listener, say funnier things than us. Doug Ratchery on Facebook says, Am I the only one that likes a new qualifying format? I usually get bored during the first half of each session, and this would give more TV coverage to the smaller teams, as each one individually tries to improve their lap. The only thing I would change is reduce the time they have to get their first lap in, from seven to four minutes. Guys, can you talk us through the new rules? No. No, no one can. No one understands. Basically, it, it seems it's like the music stops and then somebody's out. Yeah, basically what happened is Formula One went into a meeting to discuss the 2017 rules, the new tyres, the new aerodynamics. Wanted to make F1 more exciting. Yeah, all the stuff that's been going on for years. And then they came out and went, oh, sorry, we made a new qualifying format for next week. And everyone's like, oh, no, I mean, this is the trouble. F1 has been just absolutely perfect, apart from that one little thing that we've, that we've all been calling for them to change, which was qualifying. Okay, well, I mean, we did have uh, Adrian Lovell on uh, Facebook saying, bloody stupid, qualifying was pretty much the only thing that wasn't broken. The likelihood is, is that the first drivers to be knocked out will likely be due to traffic and being unable to get a clear run. Seven minutes with 22 cars on track to find a bit of space with everyone having to leave the pits at the same time. Not going to happen. Well, to be fair, that's kind of the point. The point of this new qualifying idea is that the good cars will be at the back, so they have to fight through the grid. That I can kind of understand, but 
It doesn't make any bloody sense. Because Bernie, bless his cotton socks, wanted to have a completely revolutionary thing with sort of time ballasts and, and basically penalties for doing well or some nonsense like that. And from what I can tell, this appears to be the team's trying desperately to get him to do something other than that. And this is their sort of, all right, well, how about this as a sort of compromise kind of thing? Where, you know, there'll be a situation where the clock comes down and it's like the countdown music. And then every minute somebody gets shot or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've read the rules. I don't really understand it. So there'll be a klaxon or something. And then all the drivers have to get out of their cars and there's, only, there's like one less chair on the circuit. It's, like, it's like the reverse of the Le Mans start, where the drivers <laughs> used to run out to their cars. Now they have to stop their car and run back to the chairs that are by the pit wall. Yeah. But there's, there's one fewer chair than there are drivers. But it doesn't matter because it's not happening. OK, well, Ian Jackson's got a point. He says, I can see they want a grandstand finish of the last two drivers battling for pole. But that doesn't work when you can only do one flying lap on the ultra-soft tyres. And realistically, you'd have to be on your second run as soon as the knockout period begins. It's almost as if they haven't thought it through. Oh, McLaren have used their joker. That's all I can think of. <laughs> it does seem like it is happening. Of course, it's not happening straight away. Well, it's not, the thing is, it's not happening because... Bernie Eccleston has come out since and gone, oh, we can't write the software in time. Well, like, he wants to bring it in for Spain or yeah, somewhere, like he? he's going, oh, we can't write the software. Yes, they can. They can write the software in time. They just need to put some people on it. He's just come out and gone, I need to say something that the investors won't understand. It's about the software. Oh, God, that sounds complicated. Can't do it. He's saying do it in Spain. Now, Ferrari have come out today and started going, well, we're not sure about it. We did vote for it, but we're not sure about it. So it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, all the teams will get their head round it and it'll be boring. Well, that's where Anthony Barnes came in on Twitter and said to us, the rules have changed to make things interesting and the teams do their best to make it boring again. Well, that's do you sort agree? of what they do. Yeah, I mean, that's what sort of they do. They, they, they get the rules that they're given and they do their best to knock out any advantages to other teams. I think, we should, I think we should go for a format that's kind of nostalgic. So we have the rules of every year in a big tombola at the start of his weekend, they pull out which year's rules we're using. Oh, we're going to be racing this Grand Prix in 2007 rules. So get your aerodynamic flicks out, lads. <laughs> qualifying engines. Great. Qualifying engines for one weekend a year. That's a fucking great idea, actually. To be fair, that is a fantastic idea. this podcast we are going to talk about the first round of testing so let's talk about the performance of Mercedes after unveiling a car that looks exactly the same as last year the Mercedes boys were fast they did loads of laps had no breakdowns and were as cocky as ever saying that they've got so much more to give as you were they still dominant. enough miles I read this stat to get from their Brackley factory to 40 miles outside of Barcelona's circuit Oh, so they, they didn't actually get there. But yeah, they didn't actually get there. So well, this what is a, a massive disadvantage for them. What amazingly shit start to go. Oh, we nearly I mean, come on, shove another 40 miles on the clock, lads, for the for the statistic. Don't, don't give up. That's like going, oh I nearly ran the hundred meters, but I managed sixty meters. Do you think that this show, the rest of the season, is going to be just yeah. like that? I mean, it's, it's, first of all, stupendously good work, it would seem, by the boys and girls of Brackley. Um, and I'm going to come out now and I'm going to say Hamilton, champion 2016. I think it's disgusting. They are making a mockery of testing. 
this is the problem with sport these days. Testing should be about teams coming out there, not knowing what's going to work or not. They're there, on a wing and a prayer, bolting stuff together, wrapping stuff up with foil, using a bit of gaffer tape, and what happens? Oh, 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 we've done the four million bloody miles, and oh. Terry, oh, in their defence, they had a really good car last year, and they just sort of... They brought it back out. The sport, they should have forgotten some stuff. So you're saying the testing should be a celebration of failure? They're on the ragged edge. You don't know they're going to do the first race or not. You know, they, they go out and the car doesn't work. You can say a lot about Honda's disastrous year last year, but they did testing perfectly. By perfectly, you mean? Disastrous. Okay. They were a story. We all went, are they going to make the first race? Are they going to put it back and get a podium by Spain? I mean, they didn't, but that's by the by. <laughs> But if everybody did that, would we still have the same intrigue if it was just full of a load of chances that hadn't done their job properly? But then you get the lucky cocky underdogs who would sneak through and win a race. You mean basically BAR? Yes. Which is who Mercedes are. Oh. You see? They've, they've, they've snuck up on us over several dominant seasons to still be dominant. And um, the, the thing is, because they've come out and they did, uh, I believe they did 11 Grand Prix worth of running over the four days. So they've clearly got reliability instantly nailed. They're also really, really quick. Although a couple of teams were quicker, they weren't on the same tires. I don't think they ever used the super soft tires. So it basically means that because they're not worried about reliability, they spend the whole lot of testing, testing even new, newer, even newer, even faster parts. And Rosberg said, we haven't shown all our cards. They haven't played the joker yet. They've got a very interesting front wing. I don't normally care about front wings, but they've got a front wing where if you look at it, the front bit, the uh, the blade, wing. Oh, the yes. wing, is stuck on by like an eighth of an inch of carbon fibre. Take a look at a picture. Everyone at home, Google Mercedes front wing. It's basically stuck on with a bit of spit and tissue paper. That There's sounds, no way it can work. That sounds very fragile. So when we know more about it, we'll come back to you. But in the meantime, <laughs> let's talk about Ferrari. I think the best way to sum up Ferrari at testing was fast but unreliable. Vettel and Raikkonen aren't prone to jumping around with excitement, but they definitely seem positive about this year's cars. Raikkonen summarised their testing with the quote, we always try to do our best and sometimes we do mistakes. That's I'm a quote inspired. for the ages, isn't it? Well, they've made a mistake this year by entering a Formula 1 championship at the same time that Mercedes have. They've done everything right over the winter break. They've made a new car, they've made uh, advancements to their engine, their drivers have been highly trained, everything's perfect, except Mercedes are better. I mean, they, they've got, they've got a, I mean, the car looks pretty similar to the last one, although they have seemed to gone for the, uh, the sort of 70s, 1975 season livery with the white at the top. Looks a bit like Nicky Lauda. I think it freshens it up. I like, I like it. it. Yeah, but it I is. It. It, it does. Okay. It. Terry hates it. Of course he does. They did look pretty handy. I mean, Fettel set the fastest time over the whole week, but it was on a softer tyre than Mercedes used at any point. On the ultra soft tyre. Yeah. Ultra, whereas Mercedes were on the medium tyre. Yes which says a lot, I think. And they also only managed 52% of the laps that Mercedes managed. But they, um, were, they were fastest, was it three out of four days? Yeah, but again, on different tyres to the Mercedes, and they didn't go as far. They're definitely redder than Mercedes. That's all we can say for them right now. They do have a sexy new front suspension setup. They've gone from pull rod to push rod suspension, and apparently that has made the, uh, the, the handling problems that they had last year better. There's less understeer, to the point where even Kimi says he likes it, and Kimi doesn't like anything. So, so we need to so they used to have what suspension? They used to have pull rod suspension. And now they have push rod suspension. <laughs> and I what think that's that, cleared that up. And what does that mean? 
It's basically, it's a lot easier to explain visually, so if you're listening, Google it. But basically, it's to do with where the uprights, it's to do with the, the dampers. Note for listeners there, myself and Chica are just kind of staring blankly at Phil going, I hope this makes sense because I have no idea. Basically, the pull rods, pull the rods, <laughs> push rods, push them. I did, I did text you, ask you about this. I said, can you explain push rods? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what you I said when I texted you Google back. It. I said, Google it. <laughs> because it, honestly, is, it's a lot easier to see a picture of it. Basically, anyway, for about Google four it, years, it's really complicated. Unless you're I think about three or four years ago, Ferrari came out with a pull stroke push rod suspension, whichever it was, when no one else did. And everyone went, ooh, Ferrari are going to be good because they've got a pull stroke push rod suspension. And now over the last few years, Ferrari haven't been very good. And they've gone, oh, we're going to go to a push stroke pull rod suspension and that's what everyone else does because it's clearly better so well done Ferrari okay. for finally doing something better I'll tell you the best way of doing this I found a picture Terry you're looking at this picture this okay. is going to be great podcast material sure. can you describe to our listeners this picture that I'm showing you the difference between push rod and pull rod suspension yes the pull rod suspension has a big long stick coming out from the middle of the car above where the diagonal sticks are. The push rod suspension has a big long stick in the middle of the car, but the diagonal bits cross over the big stick up to the top bit, and that's very different. Right, Williams, they were the first to reveal their new car, but that's because it was exactly the same as last year's car, and the year before. No one's really explained what's been changed, apart from people keep talking about their size zero rear end. That's less about makes the car. me laugh every time. Yeah, it's less about the car and more about the drivers. Uh, this is my bit. So Neither of the drivers seem very impressed, and the owner, Frank Williams, said that they'll have to work really hard to stay in the top three, which is inspiring, I think. Williams are a bit fucked, basically, because um, last year, uh, McLaren underperformed, Red Bull underperformed, Force India underperformed HRT. until the end of the, end of the season, and Williams came third in the Constructors' Championship, mainly because a lot of other teams were having a shit time. Now, those other teams are going to get their act together. I think Williams are going to struggle. Bottas and Massa have been cautiously optimistic. Well, Massa's just thankful to have another year in Formula 1, and Bottas is still hurting from not being in the Ferrari. So he's just signing whatever the press officer puts in front of him. Well, they've they've said that they have been very quiet. They haven't been talking about it much, but they've said that the the car understeers less at low speeds, which should, if you remember last year, they were pretty rubbish at places like Monaco and Hungary and Singapore, where there was lots of little twisty bits. So maybe they'll be a bit quicker there this year. They did quite a lot of laps. They did more than 300 laps, um, although their lap times were slower than the lap times they were doing at the 2015 Spanish Grand Prix, which, of course, was at the same circuit. So uh, most of the other teams were quicker than they did at the 2015. That's quite damning. Gary Anderson of uh, Autosport, ex of the BBC, ex of being a proper Formula One engineer, did an analysis of the times and sort of factored in the different tyres and the different amounts of fuel that he thought they were using to give what he thinks is an approximate state of the union kind of where he thinks they actually all stand. And he placed Williams way down. Uh, Bottas in 15th and Massa down in 21st. Well, there you go. What a great way to spend all that money. Red Bull. This season, of course, Red Bull have got a Renault engine. But we don't talk about that. Instead, we call it a Red Bull Racing Tag Heuer RB12. I don't know where the watch came in, but well. They had loads of problems in testing. Christian Horner has been very vague about what he thinks will happen this season because he has no idea. 
But Ricardo kept smiling, and I think the car looks lovely. It does look I, nice. Like matte it. Paint, the matte paintwork is blooming lovely. Yeah, I, Do you I know agree. What? It looks really good. This is the only thing we've ever, ever agreed on. I, I really like it. I, I think, think it looks really, really nice. Yeah, every, every time I see it, I'm like, that's a nice car. Anyway, uh, let's about the paint. Well, there's nothing else to talk about. The car's good. The engine's shit. Well, it's, it, it's, I mean, then they can't call it a Renault, but it's a Renault. Should we wait? Let's talk about the Renault engine when we Speaking get to Renault. Speaking of Renault, oh. let's talk about Renault or Renault Sport F1 team. Yes. Uh, it wasn't a great start for the new team. Their car was unreliable and slow. They barely did any laps on days one and two. And I think the engine may have exploded at some point. Not sure. Magnussen described it as a driver-friendly car, um, which sounds like something with TV screens in the back for kids. That or something that you would buy, Phil. Thanks. I suspect Renault are going to struggle quite a bit to start with because obviously at the end of last year the takeover of Lotus happened very very late and they've essentially had to jam the Renault engine into a Lotus chassis that was presumably designed with a Mercedes in mind to start with I don't know how what they were thinking but I'm sure they haven't they basically had to make lots of compromises to get it working so it's not going to be properly optimized with the chassis is that the year before last they had Renault engines in there so they know what they look like, you know, it's only a few pipes. Well, moved. I'd imagine there's probably some things changed. Probably not. I mean, results I mean, on track would suggest maybe they weren't. Renault haven't done enough to change their engine, so I think they're making a mountain of a molehill. I think uh, I think that 2016 is going to be a bit of a sort of stopgap year for the Renault team because they're going to have to try and find their feet well, with the, main, the, the way they interact with their new overlords. I think the main thing is all the staff, all the decent staff have been poached by other teams in the last couple of years when they had no money. So now they're just left with like Jeff from accounts is designing the <laughs> side pods. Mandy on reception. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I mean, think she does the nails, but let her do the paintwork. <laughs> it's mad. And she does them beautifully. Um, I think it might be a bit of a rocky start for them, but because Renault now have their own team, they're not just sort of sitting in the in the background of Red Bull grumbling about the, all the, the praise they were getting. It's they're going to have more incentive to, to develop the engine better now that it's literally their own team with their own name on it. The rumours are mid-season they'll get a big upgrade, everything will be better, they're going to have to sit through the first part of the season, but at the same time it's going to be interesting having Red Bull slagging them off, yeah, not actually having a Renault engine in their car. Well, and what are Red Bull going to do now? Because they can't, they, I mean, nobody will, cause nobody knows what they're talking about when they're talking about Renault. They'll be like, what? You've got a tag oil engine. What are you talking about, Renault? They're I mean, now going to have to slag off their own watch sponsor. Yeah, is there a chance that they're going to be saying, this tag engine is shit? It's genuinely going to be really interesting. How are they going to talk about it? Are they going to just, are they literally not going to, when they talk to Christian Horner, is he just not going to say Renault at all? Is he just going to, well, obviously, tag Hoyer and he to pull their fingers out. What's he going to say? I mean, the uh, precision's amazing. It's just not very fast, which is what you want in a watch. Let's go on to a slightly more optimistic team, Toro Rosso. These guys were the mysterious team in testing. They had a plain Navy car. Uh, we still didn't know what will look like. Admittedly, it was because they hadn't sorted the sponsors out. But I quite like the excitement. I mean, we don't really know a great deal about best thing I've heard about Toro Rosso is that because they're their deal to get the Ferrari, they've got last year's Ferrari engine in the car. And the best thing I heard is that because the deal was so late, because all the Renault Red Bull crap was going on, they were fairly sure they were going to get it, but they weren't given the plans for the engine until it was signed. So they guessed. <laughs> they went, we reckon. They, they got a lot of pictures of all the Ferrari engine cars and went, we reckon the exhaust goes there, thing goes there. That's where the fuel goes in. Let's just kind of design a car around our guesswork. 
did that really happen? Yeah. I, I think apparently is... they kind of got it right. They were like, actually, we did a pretty good job. I think Brilliant. this is almost going to be like a sort of local council-built skate park <laughs> where they decided we need a skate park, but they don't know anybody that knows anything about skate parks. And they just look at some pictures of a skate park and get the local concrete merchant to build some vaguely skate park-shaped structures. But they do seem to have inadvertently made a really good skate park. Yeah, it's good. They've done well. They're going to beat Red Bull for at least the first part of the season. Well done them. I think, I think we might see them fall back towards the end of the season because obviously they're not going to get the benefit of 2016 engine upgrades because they've got a 2015 engine. Wouldn't it be more interesting if they started the year with this 2015 engine from Ferrari from the start of last year, which would be a, a downgrade from what they've got now, but it would mean they'd have an upgrade mid-year. So they just sort of backdate all the updates. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Force India. Now this is where things got exciting. Force India were fast. On day three, Hulkenberg was the fastest. Nobody is really sure why. Uh, I don't think even they were sure why. But this could be a really exciting season for them. We should probably once again point out that testing doesn't really necessarily mean anything and you can never exactly tell what it means. But but they do look rather good. They're doing they? well. They bought in their B-spec car at the end of last year, which did really well. With the funky double nostrils. Yeah, and they haven't really changed it. They've basically gone, this car's working all right. They've done a few minor updates, and according to the whole Gary Anderson net time thing, Hulkenberg was like third fastest. Yeah, he he, he actually places in that in the the Autosport article. He places them second in the uh, in the in the speed stakes uh, ahead of Ferrari. Uh, he does finish it off saying, "Are they have they really closed the gap to Mercedes to just over 0.3 seconds? Probably not, but uh, it does look like they've they they're, they're starting on a on a roll with a, with do a pretty think decent it, car." Do you think they will? No. I think for the first few races, they're going to be way above where they normally are, and then they'll gradually drop back over the years. Well, I mean, I don't think they have the... Re I mean, all sorts of stuff's going on behind the scenes at Force India with Vijay Malia and Roy Sahara. Oh, yeah, it's all... <laughs> so money's gone. They don't, even have a, they don't have a particularly stable business back end, if you'll pardon But saying that, they haven't for years. That's they're true. Basically and they've always been whiskey batting, batting above their... Uh, <laughs> whatever cricket analogy um, they're batting above all their analogies yes they are so I mean who knows they, they do look pretty good we'll wait and see what they do in the second they're going to win a race this year I've said it oh yeah which driver though? which one Hulkenberg which race Hulkenberg which race Monaco Interesting. Let's bring things down a bit now, and let's talk about McLaren. Oh. Testing implied that this is going to be another year for them, saying that they'll be on the podium soon, and that us continuing to believe them for some reason. But really, they'll just be slipping down the leaderboard. Everyone was excited about 220 new horsepowers. Uh, we were as well. But they ended up four seconds off the lead pace. Alonso said he was proud of the team. I, I mean, what do they give these guys to say? A lot of money. <laughs> Did he really say he was proud of the team? It feels like one of those quotes they've kind of cut down. They've probably, he's probably gone, this team is a walking disaster, but I'm proud of the uh, dental care I get. Yes. And they've kind of cut that down to I'm proud of the team. Because <laughs> he has great dental care. I mean, they've got a good, got a good health program. Oh, my God, it's amazing. They, they had to, I don't know if they're going to be showing off their new dental dental work much because I don't think they'll be smiling too much because uh, gritted teeth Bill oh, gritted maybe. teeth <laughs> they had one day they managed just three laps before the car broke again um, Jensen said well, on the what are three laps yeah, <laughs> they were really slow uh, Jensen said on the first day that there's still a lot of work to be done on the power unit which 
presumably it's pretty disappointing when you turn up for the first day after a shit season and jump in the new car and find it's still shit. It does appear to be Honda's fault again, as opposed to the car. It does seem that the chassis might actually be pretty good, but through all the speed traps, still really slow. I think you're being too harsh there. Let's face it, they're doing a lot better than last year. This is true. But that's not really year, saying much. They are doing a lot better. Last year, they didn't do any laps, the car broke down and they were last. This year, they're doing laps, the car's not breaking down as much and they're last. So, <laughs> I suppose that is an improvement. What an improvement. I mean, there have been some changes at Honda. Should we talk about those? Yes, because Honda have parted ways with their top man. Yes. Well, it's this kind of fast-reacting, quick-thinking way that McLaren are going to definitely get back on the podium this year by sacking... Yashura Arai Yasuhisa a week into the new season of testing the guy who arguably screwed up their entire last year and have they sacked him actually? No they haven't what they've done is said oh he's hit Japanese retirement age so he's going to be moved to a different part of the company oh and by the way we always make all our staff announcements in the end of February so we're not firing him just happens to be that we've got rid of him. So I also understand that because they are so forward-thinking and quick-moving, they're going to employ a young Ayrton Senna as a driver this year. And Adrian Michael Rees did Facebook us and said, it's John Surtees I'm worried about. That's a reference to old Honda. So Sauber, not loads to say about them. They finally got a car, but they haven't driven it. Yeah. yeah, they got last year's car, which was shit. Thought they'd drive it again just for, you know, old time's sake. Sauber are going to be this year's Manor. They're going to be last. Now, things did look a bit better for Manor, mainly because they built a new car. It looks like they might be a bit less predictable and finish midfield this season. Do you agree? They've got a decent engine. They're... Their drivers are a little bit unknown, aren't they? They've got two new yeah. drivers. One, they've got an Indonesian pay driver called Rio, who's managed to spin it twice in testing. His name was Rio and he beats it in the sand. <laughs> Have you ever seen an interview with him? No, I haven't. Oh, oh mate, he's got no the good? charisma of this pint glass here. That's a mighty fine looking pint glass. <laughs> so they got Mercedes protege Pascal Verlein. Werner Herzog. Yes, that's him. And, you know, he's probably all right. And they've got Rio Ferdinand, who that's frankly right. has passed it. Former Manchester United defender, Rio Ferdinand. The real problem they're going to have with him is getting him into the car because he's a tall lad. But somehow he's got a load of money from Indonesia. So. And I think he's sleeping with his own wife or something. Sleeping with his own wife? And was that a scandal? Rejunction. No, that was Ryan Giggs, wasn't it? Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, and finally we're going to talk about Haas. These are the team that want to create a unique car and not just copy other teams. And in my opinion, they've created a car that looks like a toy and it's by far the ugliest car on the grid. Day one of testing wasn't good. The car was stuck together with duct tape, I think. But things got a lot better and they ended up doing nearly 300 laps and were quicker than McLaren. If at no point this year they don't get Arnold Schwarzenegger to say hasta la vista, then they have missed out on a huge, huge marketing trick. They're going to kick some harsh. Harsh. But They've it's not well. Haas, it's Haas. We've been told that. Oh, is it? Really? Yeah. Who told us that? The guy in charge, because he's American, they say Haas. Haas. And then this is going to be like the difference between ass and arse, isn't it? It's got two A's. Yeah. I watched a, a long video about this, all right? It's Haas. This is even better for all the Haas, Haas jokes. They have basically gone how any new team should work but we haven't seen a new team behave like this for so long we haven't seen we're, a new team work at all really I know we? we're just there going I don't know it's, it's like 
the fact that Manor this year have got a semi-decent car for the first time in, was it six, this is the sixth year they've been going? It's 2010, yeah, I think. Six years, yeah. And Haas have come in with a better car on their first to go. 20 minutes in. Yeah, it's just like, going, what the fuck were these guys doing? From a country that doesn't have much Formula One yeah. background, with headquarters in three different countries. Their car's built by fucking Delara and Ferrari. And Ferrari. Yeah, no, they're, they're looking very good. I'm genuinely intrigued to see how they do in the first few races uh, because they, they did 281 laps at the first test, which was more than Manor, more than McLaren. They've got two pretty decent drivers in Grosjean and Gutierrez. They've both said that they think the car feels pretty nice. I mean, uh, could we have asked for any more? I think this year is very exciting because, OK, Mercedes are going to walk it, Ferrari are going to be close second, but the midfield are actually so confusing. I don't know... Who's gonna, no one knows who's going to come where. The, so it the action could is going to be in the midfield. Be really exciting this year. Yeah, yeah. not at the front. The front. Yeah. All right, okay. Front will be boring. With it. Unless Hamilton and Rosberg finally have that fight we're after. <laughs> Punch up on the podium. So that's it from this episode of For F1's Sake. Goodbye to Phil Tromans. Uh, goodbye, thank you very much. We haven't really talked much about the new Ultrasoft tyres, which are basically a liquid, and they're going to be about half a second faster than the Supersoft. And goodbye to Terry Saunders. We haven't really talked about the car crash political <laughs> Formula 1 meetings that mean next year's rules aren't going to happen, but there's going to be plenty more to talk about that coming up soon at some point, sure. We'll be back after the second round of testing. Set the agenda by tweeting us at For F1's Sake or go to our Facebook page, FF1S. I'm G. Carez. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.